When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 8. Your smart speakers download the podcast. Check out the ESPN app. We're on We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Mel Kuyper Jr. is going to join us in 10 minutes. His mock draft 1.0 is out right now on ESPN.com. One team looking for a quarterback. Is the Pittsburgh Steelers, will they be looking for it in the draft? Talked about this yesterday with Mike Tannenbaum. And he used the word scour. They need to scour. So how does Mike Tomlin describe their off-season search for a quarterback? All options are on the table, uh, but those decisions are interrelated based on our global needs and the totality of those global needs. And we have to improve our football team. There's two major ways that you you do it. You do it through free agency and you do it through the draft. And so we have to look at what's available to us in the draft positionally. We have to look at what's available to us potentially in free agency positionally. And then we kind of bring those two discussions together and it kind of gives us a a, a, a path in which to go about addressing our needs. Damn, coach, we're asking about a quarterback, not a curbing uh, Russian aggression in Ukraine. He's talking about totality of global needs. What should the Steelers do to replace Big Ben, Keyshawn Johnson? Uh, Find a quarterback. No. um, (laughs) I think they, you know, getting something out of the draft right now, it depends on what they think, right? So when you start to build out a team and you start to build the infrastructure of a team, They've got a number of holes, not just being Roethlisberger. They need to address the cornerback position. Joe Hayden is up there in age. I don't think he'll be retained and brought back. Um, They need to look at the offensive line to a degree. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know what's going to happen with Washington. So you start to look at all the different pieces. And if you say to yourself, we're going to rebuild this thing quietly and try to get back in the mix in two years, then you draft a young quarterback that you think could help you. If you say we're going to free up some salary cap space and we're going to plug some holes and we're going to make a run at it because we can get Russell Wilson or we can get Aaron Rodgers or we can get a quarterback that's a veteran. Oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson, oh, he's available now. Why? Because this, 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 and this. Now you're looking at it a little bit differently. So you can go a lot of different ways, much like Coach Tomlin says. All bets are off. Everything is on at the top and on top of the deck. And we've got to see how to build from there. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I get torn sometimes in the situation, obviously, because it's, as Stephen A. would always say, it's, it's fluid. But key, like for them, like, to drafting a quarterback over trading for a veteran this offseason is that incredible question, right? And I, I don't know if they're – quarterbacks where Mike Tomlin feels like, hey, I can continue to mold and develop this person into the future. 
I mean, obviously, if you can get an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, depending upon the situation, or Russell Wilson, you do something like that. I mean, I would have thought Derek Carr could have been a version I could see playing for the Steelers. But if you're the Raiders, you're not going to let Derek Carr go. Who are you going to get to replace? You know, like you have to almost like you know Mike Tannenbaum says, you have to scour. You have to really find those guys who have the right upside if you can't get one of the big stars. I think the Steelers are the kind of organization they don't necessarily need to find their this guy is going to be the guy for the next 10 years. They need to find a guy that they can be competitive with right now, right? That's the kind of organization they are. And that's okay because that can bide you time. You know, I think about like a guy like Neil Well, see, that's not really – I was going to say, but that's not really – that's not really true, though, uh, Max. Why? Because if you just think about the history of their quarterbacks, they've only had a handful of guys, and most of the handful of guys was from a longevity standpoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Neil O'Donnell was there for a little bit. He was. Then, then like, Tommy Maddox, they drafted, and then they went through a cycle of, like, Tommy Maddox and Mike Tomzak and, and, and Slash. And then they got the bend. Then they hit on the bend situation. That's why I think they're more likely to draft a guy and build that way opposed to getting a free agent. Well, yeah, that could be. I mean, I, for sure. What I mean is the guy they draft, I, when I say Steelers, I don't mean, hey, look at the history of their franchise. I mean, look at Mike Tomlin and the team is currently constituted. I think they are ready because of the defense and the coach to compete again right away. Like, again, win more games than they lose. And so they could draft a quarterback that, you know, if it works out, great, but not put all their eggs in that basket. Not be, okay, this is the, this is the next Ben Roethlisberger. I think we're looking to kind of replace Roethlisberger with some. Well, I don't think there'd be any quarterbacks in this draft where they would think, hey, we're putting all of our eggs in this kid's basket. Right. right? Well, I mean- if you use a first-round pick on a guy – you are expending a lot of draft capital. You, you're not like just take, you know, throwing a dart at a dartboard. You're hoping to, to hit. You know, you're looking for a bullseye on a first-round pick, e- yeah, even first if it's a little round, later in the first. But first-round picks aren't as valuable. It sounds crazy. It's not as valuable as they once were. That's why you see a lot of people just surrendering first-round picks why left and right. Why do you think right. that is, Key? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think it might be because of the money. Maybe I I don't because know. They're more you, expensive now. You're saying so. The more ex, the, the higher the price you have to pay the player right away, the less valuable the pick becomes. I, I don't know the answer to it. I just think it has to do something with money because people surrender first round picks and then they just throw mm-hmm. them away, like like it's nothing. Where years ago. That wasn't the case. They held on to them. They tried to develop them. They, they gave them first and second and third and fifth chances. Now you draft a guy in the first round, you know, especially in the middle to the late first round, they're like, oh, he's no good cutting or he's no good trading or we got three years out of him, get rid of him. Think about think about the, the kid that you guys took, the Giants, Baker, the DB that's now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He was a first-round pick. He got into trouble. They didn't even waste to think about it in the past. They would try to figure the situation out. That's a good point. They would try to true. let it sit and rest for a couple years. Man, they cut bait with him so fast. And, and there is a player that is right in your backyard, the University of Pittsburgh, and that's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pitt, yeah. It's right he there. Has, so, he has Pitt in his very name. So it's, it's well, actually, Dwayne Haskins, you, let him compete. You say in their backyard, Jay, literally in the same building. Mm, yeah. They're in the same building. Wow. They share the same facility 
as the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's why the Steelers, you know, they they mess around with a lot of Pittsburgh Panther players, sign them in free agency. They even draft a couple here and there. Let's bring Mel Kuyper Jr. into this conversation. That always sounds like a good idea when we're talking about draft or even just football. Good morning, Mel. So good Mel. morning, guys. What's going on there? Uh, you got four. You got four quarterbacks in your first round, and and uh, you know we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have Malik Willis um, going to Washington at eleven. Why is he the first guy off your board? Talent, uh, you know, he's so gifted, uh, powerful, strong, deceptively. I think defensive linemen, linebackers, I spoke to a linebacker in the SEC, said he was shocked how strong he was in terms of breaking tackles and how fast he was. Uh, and, you know, you go back to 2020, he was outstanding. This year, you know, they were outmanned against Ole Miss, so you can't hold that game against them. And he did throw three picks against Middle Tennessee State and Louisiana Monroe. He made some bad decisions, forced some things. But that happens when you're with a team, you're trying to make some plays. But I think at the end of the day, talent would win out there. Kenny Pickett's going to be right there. I think the issue is going to be, we're going to hear it between now and late April, hand size. Is it eight and three quarters, eight and a half, nine and a quarter? Nine's kind of the mark you want to be at. But at the end of the day, wearing the gloves, both hands, no matter what the weather is, Kenny Pickett will be scrutinized. And I have him going slightly ahead of where the Steelers are picking. I was listening to what you were saying about the Steelers and Kenny Pickett, the whole Mark Whipple connection. Mark Whipple, of course, now in Nebraska, but he was the OC and quarterback coach with Kenny there. I've been with the Steelers with Ben. Uh, but I think they would have to move up. I don't think Kenny Pickett right now drops down to where the Steelers are. I have him going to New Orleans. Could have given them to Atlanta at 8 or Washington at 11. Opted to go with Willis. Gave Atlanta Derek Stingley Jr. But uh, I think Pickett is gone by the Steelers' selection. So you don't think – so, so uh, Mel, if New Orleans picking at 18 as of now and Kenny Pickett's gone at 18, he slotted at 18, you don't think that he could fall to 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers where you have Matt Carell uh, slotted into that spot? Well, it's a fine line between 8 and 18, and I think I could have very easily gone. I had it marked. I have my sheet right here. I crossed out Pickett and Willis twice and went to Derek Stingley Jr. So I was told, well, Matt Ryan's going to be there. Uh, They want to really get another player. They opted for Kyle Pitts last year over the quarterback. Maybe they go for a defensive player over the quarterback so I can help them win this year as opposed to the heir apparent to Matt Ryan. So I still think Atlanta, we have to see what happens with Denver, Washington, Minnesota, with Kirk Cousins, see how that plays out. So there's a lot of different teams that are going to be maybe looking at other options other than the draft. And, And Mike Tomlin alluded to that. There's other ways. And these quarterbacks, there's mixed opinion guys on all these quarterbacks. These quarterbacks, if you said where would, say, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett be if they were in last year's draft, they would have been behind those five. And I'd say a significantly behind those guys in terms of grade. So this group is not nearly what last year's was. What's the difference between Malik Willis and Dwayne Haskins? Mobility. Uh, you know, Dwayne's a pocket passer, and uh, you know Malik Willis can move. Uh, he's a dual threat quarterback. As I said, he's thick, he's powerful, he is fast, athletic, tough. Uh, he's a he's a problem, okay, to deal with, and he can make all throws, off platform throws, roll left, roll right. Uh, when he's on his game and he's at his best, he's impressive. 
Very impressive quarterback to watch. Now, he had a lot of hiccups this year. He had a lot of bad moments. That's why Kenny Pickett, who had a phenomenal year, and keep in mind, guys, Kenny Pickett's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. That's rare. Okay, Burrow, we talked about coming out of, L- out of LSU as a guy, you know, age-wise, older than most. But 50 career starts. When do you ever see that with a quarterback in college? Well, you do with Kenny Pickett. And the coaching he received from one Mark Whipple uh, really helped him. And he really, last year, people said, what happened last year? Well, last year he had an ankle injury that really hampered him. And that's the reason why he went back. He was healthy, and he lit it up. So, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, I think it's going to get down to those two. Maybe Matt Corral, but I'll go Pickett-Willis. That will be the debate as to who the first quarterback, QB1, will be come April 28th. Mel, like you said, Joe Burrow, names like Trevor Lawrence, they're not in this draft, right? So how much change do you expect for when it comes to QBs as we move through the draft process? That's a great question. I think it's going to be a lot. I think between now and late April, we have a lot of things. You have all-star games, senior bowl week, senior bowl game, you know, combine, pro days. All those things are very important. And like I said, the hand size for a picket, how people feel about wearing the gloves on both hands, no matter what the weather is. You're going to hear all kinds of things. And there's other quarterbacks that you can go get. We're going to hear about Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to keep hearing about Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. The list goes on and on, okay, of different ways you can you know, go after an and improve your quarterback situation? Do you want to go for the grand slam? Do you want to draft a quarterback that, like I said, none of these guys are as excited, you're as excited about as you were the five guys last year? Okay, so that's why you know I have a lot of these guys going down the line a bit in round one. Even Sam Howe, Sam Howe going into the year was projected top ten. He lost two running backs, two receivers to the NFL, and all of a sudden there he is as a possibility for the Lions late in the first round. So there's going to be a lot of fluidity, I guess is the word, with these quarterbacks between now and late April. Mel Kuyper Jr., our draft expert at ESPN, joining us this morning to talk about his mock draft 1.0 and Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Uh, let's talk about the New York Jets for a minute. They got two picks. They got four and ten. You have at four Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, which I think is a phenomenal rangy guy, sideline to sideline, not afraid to stick his head in there, but also can go get the football a little banged up at times. And then you got at ten Drake London from my alma mater, USC. Um, give us a little insight on these two guys, Mel. Interesting, Key, that you know Kyle had the injury, the knee injury against USC on October 23rd. A week later, Drake had the fractured ankle against Arizona October 30th. So uh, the two players I have going to the Jets both had injuries in late October. Uh, but they're both incredibly gifted, and they both bring great size and great range with Kyle Hamilton. He's an ideally suited all-around performer for the way I think that you attack and you play defense now in the NFL. And certainly, you know, Drake London, when you think about the Jets, they have Elijah Moore. you got Braxton Berrios, Davis. But the size of London, that power forward, you know him very well, Key. Heck of a player. And uh, unfortunately had the injury, like I said, on October 30th. But up until then, nobody could cover this guy. I only saw one drop when I watched him. I saw three games of, his, of Drake's, and I saw one drop only. He was targeted a lot. He caught a lot of balls. And he is a, a, a problematic receiver to deal with. And I think for the Jets and Zach Wilson, your young quarterback, if he's there at 10, eh, there's a debate whether he'll even be there at 10. Now with Jamison Williams' injury, it's clearly Drake London is the number one receiver. Will he even be there at 10? Maybe. How fast do you think he'll run? 
I don't really care. Uh, okay, I really don't. He'll run the probably the, I would think four fives, uh, and that'll be fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is a kid with his ability. He'll, he'll draw. He's all ready. And with, with this this mock draft, this guy's just so you. It's you're clear. This isn't has nothing to do with my ratings. This is all about talking to your friends in the NFL, getting their feelings about all these players, and trying to build an early consensus, which you can't do with everybody, but you do as the best you can. And with Drake London, I heard people compare him, Key, to Mike Evans and Plaxico Burris. And that's the player they see with, Key, with, with, uh, with Drake London. So you're looking at a kid who is already being compared to some really good ones. And like I said, top 10, definitely. Is he there at 10? Debatable, but if he is, I think the Jets certainly have to look that way. And if David Ojabo say doesn't go to the Giants, the pass rusher from Michigan, then he certainly could be in play for the Jets at ten. Glad you brought up the Giants and Mel. I understand, based especially on what you just said, you're doing a mock draft. The Giants don't have a GM. Very difficult to forecast mm-hmm. who they're going to pick, right? How they're thinking, but you do have them taking an offensive tackle. I'm happy about that, and Ojabo in the first round. Uh, This is my question, because I'm all for the Giants just stockpiling offensive linemen right now. They don't have much of anything. Just just stockpile and and take a quarterback when he presents himself. But you have him with with, with a jabo. And my thing is, Mel, if you're going to do that, fine, if you're the Giants. But he better be a game changer, like Micah Parsons has been for the Cowboys, who the Giants passed on in that trade with the Bears. Anyway, how good is a jabo going to be? Is he one of those guys? Well, this year he was, and Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo were really the difference makers, and they were the reason why Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines did what they did. Um, you know, he didn't, they say, the Georgia game. Well, neither Hutchinson or Ojabo were given any opportunity because they got the ball. They basically schemed the game plan to make sure those two weren't wrecking the game for Georgia, and they didn't. They didn't have the opportunity to get to the quarterback. But I think Ojabo, the one year uh, Max and guys bothers me, just I would have liked to have seen him back at Michigan to be the guy and put up double-digit sacks again. But he's coming out. He's got limited football background, but he is a talent. And certainly you mentioned uh, Ekwanu, who is a gifted left tackle. People say, well, he's going to be a guard. No, he's not. He's going to be a left tackle, right tackle. And obviously, uh, the Giants also need just help. they got to stay healthy. They can't ever, it seems like they can never get the guys on the field at the same time. Have the full complement of weapons, get everything together, and then have Daniel Jones back there healthy, which he wasn't obviously missing all that time. So it just seems like they have been plagued and just decimated by injuries year after year. If they can get some luck there and hit those, and then anyway, now you have these two picks. they got the early two. They have a lot of picks in this draft early on uh, and up to the midpoint of the draft. So they have a great opportunity with the new GM and the new head coach to really improve this talent base and, and maybe make a quantum leap in terms of wins next year. Mel, be real with me here. Uh, how hard was this mock draft to put together with all the QB movement we could potentially see this offseason, including a team like the Seahawks who could trade Russell Wilson for a top 10 pick? Jay, it's brutal. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a tough deal doing these mocks. Uh, McShay did one before Christmas, okay, before he even knew what underclassmen were coming at. He does one right after the draft, looking ahead to this year's draft. These are hard to do. I can show you my sheet. I cross out names. You talk to people. They make you wonder. You have your own ideas, your own ratings. You have the needs, which will change dramatically. It's, it's, what I try to do is just give everybody an idea of who the players are, the range they could go in. You could all debate about this quarterback could go here or there, but these are the quarterbacks are going to go probably somewhere in round one in that range of where I have them. It could change, obviously, after the process plays out. But it's a, it's a heck of an exercise. It's fun. Uh, I love talking to the guys in the NFL and getting their varied viewpoints. When you talk to one 
They'll say first round. Another one will say third round for the same guy. So your head's spinning a little bit, but you've got to go back to what you saw. And at some point, you've got to make a call based on the way you think things will play out between now and then. Keith said, what's he going to run? I don't know what these guys are going to run. These, a lot of these guys haven't <laughs> run for the clock yet. So you don't even know that yet. So, again, we're going to have a battle between Devin Lloyd, linebacker Utah, and the other great linebacker, Nicobe Dean. What do they run? Remember when Bush and, and, and Devin White, Devin White, Devin Bush ran? They both ran. I was at the combine. They both ran like 4-4-3. Four, four, so they were both right there. One went top ten, one went right off of that. So I think there's going to be – and Jamison's injury. How is Jamison's ACL viewed? Some think second round. I think New England at 21 will say, boy, here's a top ten guy. We're getting him in the 20s. Let's take this guy. If we have to wait a little bit, so be it. We're getting a top ten, top eight player in Jamison Williams. who can take the top off the of defense every game, and he's a great kid. He's a hard worker. He's a warrior. We're getting him at a point where we wouldn't have seen him without that injury. That's Mel Kuyper Jr., ladies and gentlemen, the great Mel Kuyper Jr., offering more evidence as to the great Mel. Always a pleasure to hear from you, and we will talk soon. You got it, guys. All Enjoy right, it. All right, Mel. Take care, bud. So uh, I, I can't See, that, even imagine. That, Can you imagine you try, to, you try to put a mock draft together? No. The GM positions aren't all filled. The coach positions aren't all filled. You're, it is like with like the some of the teams you go, yeah, I have a good sense. But a lot of teams, you're, you're making your best guess. Like you have, I have no idea what the Giants – I mean, you have a sense of, hey, Giants probably take somebody offensive line. We talked about that. But, I mean, look, there are a lot of outliers with who they decide to put in the front office for Minnesota, who they, exactly. Chicago. It's just, it it's goes through the list of all the teams about trying to understand what the hell these guys are going to do. You think the Giants need an offensive line. Exactly. But the new general manager comes in and says, well, what we have fits what we want to do schematically, mm-hmm. so we don't need to do that. We need to do this instead. Yeah, I think he fit with the last regime's uh, schematics, too. They were trying to lose more and more games every year. If that's what they were looking for, they got the right guys on this two, team. Max, man. <laughs> <laughs> One former top pick has picked up right where he left off in college and now has a franchise-thinking Super Bowl for the first time in decades. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Rex in studio. Who does Joe Burrow remind you of? He reminds me of Tom Brady. Earlier in the season, I mentioned it. His mannerism, but his leadership, and in the biggest moments, this guy is the calmest, and he's got just a hired killer mentality, and that's why he reminds me of Tom Brady. And 10 years from now, we're going to say, this guy's the next Joe Burrow. Hmm. Keyshawn J. Will and Max presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are joined now by Coach O himself, Ed Orgeron, ladies and gentlemen, former LSU head coach, national champion. Coach O, how are you? You're doing great, guys. Great to be on the show. Good to have you with us, Coach. 
Coach, how surprised are you at the jump that Joe Burrow and the Bengals made this season? Yeah, I'm not a surprise at all. <laughs> when he got Jamar, I knew the leadership skills of Joe and Neil. And um, I think Coach Ryan was right. Uh, all the things he said was exactly right. But the thing that Joe did when he came here from Ohio State, he was humble. And he worked hard. And he earned the respect of his football team. He's got the toughness of a linebacker. He's got the mind of a general. He's the son of a coach. And he's the smartest football player I've ever been around. Mm. Coach, a lot of people were saying that the, the Bengals should have selected Penny Sewell with their draft pick. And I know certain people, myself, I was on air talking about the ability to have the relationship, the chemistry, the experiences between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. What about that relationship is so special off the field that makes it translate to on the field? Yeah, it grew in Foster. You know, the, the players believed in Joe. And, uh, you know, one of the things that our receiver coach made them do is in the summer – they had to catch 10,000 balls together. You in the summer, your coaches are not there. Nobody's around, and you're creating those relationships. They're going out to eat. They're getting to know each other. They're running around, so they get to know the strength and the weakness of everybody. But, again, those guys believed in each other, especially in the big games here. When Joe knew he was going to get one-on-one, again, you got to have a smart quarterback. He would put he put Jamar to his right. Where Jamar liked to be the best to his right. I can see they doing the same thing with Cincinnati. It's just hard to cover uh, uh, Jamar one on one. He's got great release off the line of scrimmage. He's, he's extremely fast and he's strong. And Joe knows where to put the ball. Coach O, we tend in the media to reach for the skies when we compare players to others. Joe Burrow's been recently compared at times to a young Tom Brady. How do you think that's you know him a little bit? How do you think that sits with him? I think it fits. You know, but obviously he's got to do it. You know, as you and I both know, you know, you got to win the big game, man. To be a Tom Brady, you got to win the big game. You know, to be a Joe Burrow here at LSU, you got to win the big game. You got to beat Alabama on the road, which you did. You got to win the national championship. And, Key, you know this, man. The best leaders are the guys that are making plays, the guys that are working hard every day, the guys that are doing the right thing on and off the field. And Joe does that. Um, what do you think makes, because we, we talked about this on the show a lot, Coach, what do you think makes that connection so good? Um, with between Burrow and Chase. Now, I understand they played yeah. together, and I've highlighted that, and Key has highlighted the fact that Chase is going to ball wherever he goes. But I imagine yeah. that built-in chemistry helps, right? Yeah, it is. And it's a great chemistry. You know what? Joe lets Jamar be Jamar. Jamar, Jamar you can't get Jamar off the field, man. He's going to work, work, work. Jamar's not into all the hype. He's not into all the accolades. Neither is Joe. Those guys, they kind of both the same. They're hard workers, unusually. You know, a receiver, you know, he wants to carry. All right, they want to get some, certain catches. They want all that stuff. A quarterback, you know, <laughs> you 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 would think Joe. You know, Joe, when we're going for the championship run, you know, we we beat some teams where there were some trophies on the field. They left the, the trophies on the field. I mean, they wanted the national championship. That's all they wanted. And when we, you know. Everybody in the room knew Joe was going to win the Heisman. We never talked about it. Hmm. And Joe won the Heisman. It was a great award. But those guys had one thing in mind, is winning the championship. Yeah, Coach, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about this. Some people are starting to say Joe Burrow could win a Super Bowl in his second year in the league. Do you see that as being feasible? Is that possible for him, his second year you in the league? Know, well, I'm being, a, I'm being a fan here. <laughs> usually, usually I'm working. I don't get to watch all these games. They got some good teams out there. Man, Buffalo, Kansas City, St. Louis. How about that defense they got? 
Green Bay. Uh, yeah, they, they, you know, I watched the last game, and I, Joe, I know Joe would say, we need to do better in the red zone in Cincinnati. We can't go down there and kick field goals. And uh, I think they have a chance. Yes, they do, but there's some good teams out there. It's going to be interesting to see. Mm. You still hanging out at the beach eating cheeseburgers, Coach? Hey, man, I'm, I, I'm flying to Miami Beach today, big boy. <laughs> no, hey, I got a double. Hey, I got some stone crabs for you tonight, Key. How about that? Oh, Joe Stone Crab. Okay. Yeah, that's right. You probably got your own table in there. I'm going to mention your name. All right. <laughs> Look at you, Coach. Always keeping Joe in your life. Still keeping Joe in your life. I like it. There ain't no question. That is the great Ed Orgeron, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Key, I think you guys made a great hire at USC. Oh. No, you see, you say you guys, you mean we, because you still a Trojan. We, 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 we. <laughs> we, we. Yeah, we'll, we, we'll yeah. look, put it this way. You know how it is, Coach O. When you start making big promises, you got to deliver yeah. because the moment you don't deliver when you made them promises when you signed on, we watching real close now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, I know that. Hey, But I, I, I do believe, I do believe this guy's got – Got what it takes, and you know you got to capture Los Angeles first. Yes, that is correct. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate you jumping on with us All this right. morning. My pleasure, man. I'm gonna think about you guys on the beach. Call me if you need me. <laughs> All right, <my> All right. <laughs> Coach, All right. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. So we're talking obviously a lot with Coach about Joe Burrow, national champion. Will he be a Super Bowl champion? And look, the Bengals had some. You know, they they celebrated, and it looked like Joe Burrow was okay with that for winning the division, right, the regular season, but now a new goal, win the Super Bowl. So he was asked, was he excited to get his first playoff win, Joe Burrow was, after his first playoff win? Listen to the answer. Yeah, I think the fans were, were very excited, but I tried to downplay it and, and all that because this is you know, this is how it's going to be from here on out. You know, this is a great win for us, but, you know, this is the, this is the standard for – you know the the bare minimum every year going forward. You know I think that's the you know one of the the biggest jobs of a quarterback is displaying confidence in yourself, and and part of being a leader on the team is you know showing that confidence in in all your other guys as well. You're going to hear Jay Wills and Key's reaction to Joe Burrow's comments. You're not going to miss what not going to want to miss what Jay has to say, or what oh, okay. Key has to say to Jay after that. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you 
to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Rexon Studio, who does Joe Burrow remind you of? He reminds me of Tom Brady. Earlier in the season, I mentioned it, his mannerism, but his leadership, and in the biggest moments, this guy is the calmest, and he's got just a hired killer mentality, and that's why he reminds me of Tom Brady. And 10 years from now, we're going to say, this guy's the next Joe Burrow. I understand what Coach that's is saying not... there. Keyshawn, J. Will Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Um... ESPN app. I understand what coach means there. And I, every time one person is compared to another, oh, are you saying he's in the same? Listen, the odds that anyone ever wins seven Super Bowls again as a quarterback are slim, right? So I'm not saying anything like that. I will point out that Burrow is a more kind of physically gifted player than Brady and is it more, I'd say, more advanced this far into his NFL career. That like, He's being asked to do more. Of course, we live in an era where quarterbacks are asked to do more. Yeah. Um, but if he ever wins a single Super Bowl, that's a great accomplishment. And if he wins multiple, he's in a select category. Yeah, they're going to always – I mean, that's just how it goes. You compare people because that's just what people do. They start comparing guys that went to schools or guys that look similar. And I, I always used to joke with coaches, everybody that's 6'4", dark, tall, with a fade that – at play receiver ain't Keyshawn Johnson, so get it out your head. You know, on the other hand, I like I like using the greats as comparisons. And Jay, I know you're a chess player. If you ever read chess books, like if if you study, I don't know, Capablanca or one of these great um, uh, oh chess masters from the past. The <laughs> point is, God, the point is, they'll do chess. something, and some <laughs> average player may have a game that he's trying to model after or, or has some similarities. And you might say, ooh, that's like something that's – you're not saying this player is as great as Capablanca. What you're saying is it, there's, it reminds you of it. It's derivative of it in some way. It's a reflection of it in some way. It reminds you of it. And I'm so – I don't think people should be scared off from me. I once said Gennady Golovkin, the way he threw Triple G, the way he threw a punch reminded me of Joe Lewis. Oh, you're putting him in the same category as Joe Lewis? No, I'm saying he reminded me of him in that way. I got one for you. Huh. Kobe, like you're like all right, Kobe. Like there were parts of Kobe at a young age that like, remind you of Mike. The exact replica of right? Michael like, Jordan. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like it was more like it was, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like the mannerisms, the poise. The but kid. my point is, you don't have to turn out to be Kobe Bryant to, to, to make the comparison to Michael. Like you're not saying he's as good anyway. Joe Burrow. <laughs> he took me down a rabbit hole, Key. I'm gonna start yeah. all the way down it. Joe then he brought Burrow. Me back up. Joe Burrow does have something else in common with Tom Brady. And the greats, you know, the all-time greats, in the sense that he is extremely confident. He was asked if he was excited to get his first playoff win. Yeah, I think the fans were, were very excited, but I tried to downplay it and, and all that because this is, you know, this is how it's going to be from here on out. You know, this is a great win for us, but you know, this is the this is the standard for you know the the bare minimum every year going forward. You know, I think that's the you know one of the the biggest jobs of a quarterback is displaying confidence in yourself. 
and and part of being a leader on the team is you know showing that confidence in in all your other guys as well. You like it, Key? Absolutely love it. I think uh, Joe Burrow is fascinating to me because he's a young leader. And when you're a young leader and you're doing it the way you want to do it, opposed to the way other people want you to do it, you know, back in the day, there was this whole notion of at the quarterback spot, you had to do things a certain way. You never, it was like a party line. They, they, as soon as the game is over, they usher you straight to the podium and tell you what to say. You know, to say this, make sure you stay on point. That's not the case no more. We're away from that. Be you. Be who you are. But tell people what you really feel and how you really feel about what you think. Jay, I don't. He didn't sit there and guarantee a Super Bowl or this year or every year or any year. What he said was, "Here's what I think the standard should be around here. We should make the playoffs. We should advance in the playoffs. I think that's what that's the floor." I don't have a a problem with it. All all I've been saying before, though. Is when you're a young player coming into any league, even if you are well positioned to be the leader of that franchise, like just saying those things, you have to be somewhat careful about that, right? Because a lot of things are out of your control, like GM decisions, head coaching decisions, injuries, a lot of things go into that. So I'm fine with that being, hey, I'm setting the bar, I'm speaking that into existence. But all I'm saying to you is, like, it's, it's a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in 30-plus years, and you're saying, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. All I'm saying is there's a lot of ancillary things that can happen that can derail where that sheriff wants to take the program or the franchise. What's that? What? He just made a noise. We got pulled that? over by the cops. Keena, I got nervous. I just You said sheriff. I yeah. Just... yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I hear you, Jay, but this like, there's, there's one thing to go in and write checks with your mouth that your you-know-what can't cash, right? But it's another thing to say we have certain goals around here. I'm going to celebrate because I think this part got lost of it because I took from the entire interview I took or, or the whole we, – we played you a clip of it. We won, we won the division. We made the playoffs. We celebrate then. That's step one. Step two now is we're trying to win a Super Bowl, right? So we advanced, but that's like when Kobe was asked – it's famously it's going around on social media now but he was like hey you're up 2-0 in the finals well, you know i expected a big smile from you so, but, but, and, but in the nfl winning a playoff game is just like winning a game did, in the finals kobe you need four to win kobe already won championships before that no winning it winning a final know. no no i mean winning yeah winning a playoff game in the nfl is like winning a series in basketball it's not like winning a game. No, it's, no, I get it, but I'm saying because you're moving the, on to the next. The analogy is if you're looking to win a championship and you're in the finals, you win game one. You you need to win four games in the finals to win a championship, right? Mm-hmm. So if you forget about everything else, you need unless you have the number one seed, four wins in the playoffs was, to win a Super Bowl. He's on game one. He just has won. He's saying, yeah, of course uh, we should, we need to do this at least. Hear me, Max. Again, I'm all about players showing individuality, and I am stating this right now. I am a huge Joe Burrow fan. Mm-hmm. Huge yes. Joe Burrow fan. And yes, I think they have a legitimate shot at winning a Super Bowl. All I'm saying is sometimes when things start going well, you start getting a little bit like, all right, like a little bit like not cocky, but it's kind of like 
the shades, everything, the whole feel of it. Right? We're like, all right, Joe, like, just keep this in perspective. Like, we're only in year two. And I understand some people will sound love the like confidence. You, sound like you already like swaggy. what Joe's doing there, boss. Like, like what, what Key is saying. I know Key's one of those guys. That's how Key has lived his career. All I'm saying is just be careful a little bit with taking it a little bit slow about, like, our expectations, we're winning. So like, all right, just like. I would agree with you, Jay. Just a tad. I would just agree. A tad, I would man. agree with you, you Jay. You can have that internally, Max. But it don't mean to openly state that to everybody. You know, I was going back to Derek Jeter because I'm a big Yankees fan. But, like, if Jeter won four World Series in his first five seasons in the majors, if he would have said, my expectation, like, you know, yes, we win, we're going to win the World Series every year, that would be one thing. But if his, he's like, my expectation this year, like every year, is I'm trying to win the World Series, I love that. You know, and he only won he only won one more the rest of his career, right? After winning, and he played 20 years just about. So I, I, it's not always going to work out that way. But he had nothing to worry about because of the way he approached his business, because of the way he led the team, because of the success that they did have, right? That's the goal every year. And Joe Burrow to me, all I hear is, look, every year, you, I, you, I, think, I want everyone around here, fans, ownership, everyone, to expect us to make the playoffs – and win a single playoff game, and now we could talk about the rest later. But like, I'm not celebrating this. Okay, that's and cool. He, he shouldn't. He shouldn't celebrate a, a wild card win. There's no question to celebrating. But he should expect every single year that we're gonna win this division. We're gonna be here. We're not going away. We're a young football team. We're energetic. We feel like we can we can take things and, and run with it. He should feel that way 150 percent and not succumb to. The party line. I'm curious, Jay, because uh, you in college, you went to the program with uh-huh. the coach. You were the man. You, I always say on the show, you didn't just win player of the year once. You won it twice, and you won a national title. Mm-hmm. So given your career at Duke, are, are you saying that you believe the best way to achieve success is not this way? It's counterproductive to achieving success? Or are you saying, hey, Joe, you shouldn't say that as a hedge I, against failure? I'm not saying – look, Joe can say whatever the hell he wants. He's a grown-ass man, man. <laughs> All I'm saying is – I, my thing is, like, I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to win a national championship. I know what my standard is. It's internally – I know what my standard is. I feel like when I start telling people what our standard is, like, why do I need to tell you what our standard is? You see that in my actions daily. You see that in how I talk to my teammates. There's something to that you thing. You see, like, I don't need to tell you what my standards are. I know what the hell my standards are. I live that damn thing Get every off day. my lawn, Jay. Get off my lawn. No, I'm just Key, saying, I, like, when I didn't want to tell you what my standards what are, while I got my pink shades on, it yeah. just it sends off you like, Ugh. Key, I understand. That's a slightly okay. – okay, this is the first time today that I'm starting to understand this a little differently, Key. Okay. Of course, now we have 30 seconds left. But it seems to me like Go ahead, there is chew a, all them 30 up, Max. There is a school of thought. Key, I'll give you last word. There is a school of thought where don't let that out. Hold that in. Don't, you don't need to be going saying that because be about it, you know? What about that? You could do that, but it's a different age, man. It's, people do it different now. That's why everybody's all on social media. Everything that they do in their life, they put on social media. If they go eat a potato chip, it's on social media. Mm. They buy a car, it's on social media. It, it, that's the world we're in. You People want to tell you. Potato chips on social media making $17 million a year for doing it. And exactly. Stuff. You also hate that, though, because Devontae Adams talked about stop doing workouts for social media. So there is a balance. Well, workouts is Jay Will and Max is back tomorrow with former Titans and Rams coach Jeff Fisher. Greenies next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.